So what I see every Amazon seller when I walk in, even ones that are doing eight and nine figures, they're only trying to focus on this customer acquisition, but once they have a customer, they're not really doing anything with it. You're listening to the Ecom Exits Podcast with your host, Nate Ginsberg. Learn the best tips and tactics to improve profits, cash flow, and maximize your e-commerce business value on the way to a successful exit. Welcome to the show. Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome back to the Ecom Exit Show. I'm joined today by my friend, Zach Franklin, who uh, self-proclaimed Zach of all trades, eight-figure Amazon seller, and secret weapon of Chinese e-com giants, founder of AMZ Kung Fu, a suite of tools for Amazon sellers, international speaker at some of the biggest marketing events in the world. And I've had the pleasure of speaking alongside Zach at some of these conferences and currently running seven different businesses, all believe in the e-com space. So Zach is really a wealth of knowledge and experience. Uh, really excited to have him on the show. So Zach, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for that great intro, Nate. Uh, yeah, so uh, I think the, the first thing, you know, for, for those of our audience that uh, might not be familiar with you, I think you have a really interesting story of how you got, you know, really into uh, the Amazon space and, and started working with some, some of the uh, largest Chinese companies. You can maybe just, yeah, first kind of share like how you got into, you know, Amazon e-commerce and uh, working with the Chinese. Sure. So um, let me see. So it's a little bit complicated story, but I'll, I'll stick to the short version. Um, basically, I read the book Arbitrage by Chris Green, and it was just like a revelation for me, like just this type of arbitrage where the story for Chris was that he was working at like a Home Depot and he would notice that like things were on sale at his Home Depot, but not online on Amazon and where he can make that kind of basically that flip. And so when I actually started with Amazon, it wasn't with private label. It was with doing a lot of different flipping things, um, mostly like musical instruments and saxophones and stuff like that. And ended up having a lot of success with that, actually, especially with saxophones, which I could buy for like 150 and flip them for like a thousand dollars. And that was working amazing because they were just selling immediately on Amazon. I'm like, I think I had one where it sold two hours after I listed it um, on Amazon. I was blown away. And so I kept going on with this. And before I was doing that, I was also doing affiliate marketing and doing it at the same time. But some of my friends from China in Ann Arbor, Michigan, like took notice of what I was doing because I would tell them about it. And they're like, hey, I have a ton of products like in my garage, like they were from Shenzhen and they had like thousands and thousands of products literally labeled and palletized and like ready for me to send into Amazon. It doesn't get any better than that. So like I just did a profit share agreement with my friends, sent in 5,000, you know, laptop stands to Amazon and I was selling private label like immediately. Um, I didn't have to go through any of this kind of like sourcing with China step that most people are very, you know, it's a very daunting step for a new entrepreneur to actually like place an order for, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. I got to skip all of that. 
And I was doing a lot of other work for like the Chinese community. But basically, long story short, I ended up helping people out on some of these Facebook groups. I think it might have been like the amazing seller. And this guy, and you know him very well, Jerry Gong, like does a post on one of these Facebook groups. And he's like, hey, uh, I'm a Chinese seller and I want to know how to source supplements. Does anyone have like a list of suppliers? So I just helped him out. I like found 50 suppliers, sent it over to him. We talked just a little bit. He's like, oh yeah, I have like a big business out in China, da, da, da. Uh, and then like three months later, he gives me a call and he's like, hey, I want you to come to China tomorrow. Like it was two in the morning. He's in London. I'm in Michigan. And he says like, yeah, like we'll take care of everything. Like you have a job, just like fly out here. Mm. So literally at... The call was at two at 10 in the morning. I was like on the way to Chicago to like get my visa. Like I had previously lived in Asia. I wanted to go back. I wasn't really excited with living in Michigan at the time and definitely wanted to finally see China. And so this was an awesome opportunity. And I got there and the company was way bigger than what Jerry was saying. You know, I walk in and there's like 700 people sitting in chairs. Like, <laughs> like you've been in the office, I think. It, it's crazy. You know, it's a four floor, huge blue building in the middle of what seems like nowhere China. You know, it is far away from downtown. And it's absolutely like I was the only foreigner at the time because the other one was um, on a business trip to the U.S. actually following up with those suppliers that I sent Jerry. And... It was just me and like 700 <laughs> Chinese employees mm. and I loved it. Um, you know, I worked with them for more than a year, but it feels like five at least because I think we, for that year, I pretty much woke up, worked, went to bed for a year. Mm. But I loved what I was working on and I loved the people I was working on it with. Um, I ended up basically doing millions and millions and millions in sales for ValueLink. I took over like your friends with Travis, like the, the Naturgix brand. I was mostly running Naturgix. He managed a lot of other brands like Lips. ValueLink has like 30 or 40 different brands, like mm. thousands of different products. And I was basically one level under Jerry, who was the CEO of the company, like immediately. And I remember like within a week, I had to manage like 50, 50 to 75 different people. And I didn't yeah. speak any Chinese. So it was absolutely crazy. I eventually left ValueLink and, you know, they basically moved the, the office on me. So I would have like a four hour commute every day. And I'm like, I'm not okay with that. <laughs> um, so I ended up leaving and then decided to do my own thing. And because I had already been doing a lot of speaking in China, I knew everyone. And so I started doing consulting for a lot of the very, very, very big companies. One of them would be uh, Cohen. Cohen is an absolute monster on Amazon. You know, they're doing like $150 million a year and they have three people in the company that can speak English. Wow. <laughs> like they didn't have a website and actually I made them a great website and then they fucked it up again. They hired like some agency that like absolutely screwed with it. But they are basically selling just headphones, really good noise canceling headphones. And actually what's really cool with these, um, you know, I've seen people wear them in Paris. I've seen people wear them in London. I've seen people wear them in Vancouver. I think I was walking around with Jeremy, who's the founder of Nested Naturals um, in Vancouver. 
and we saw someone wearing the Cohen headphones. And I, mm. I always like, I'm like, hey, like I, I market those. I work with these guys. Mm. Man, well, super cool to have that insider knowledge and, and experience. You know, obviously the, the Chinese being such important players in the Amazon ecosystem. And, you know, the, the Chinese, it's a little bit of like, it's kind of a black box. You kind of hear things or suspect things about them, but you don't, you know, really have that firsthand experience and really just kind of understand what it is. And it would be great if you could kind of share, like, what are some of the things that you see that are different about how the Chinese approach and run their Amazon businesses versus other people? Yeah. So, you know, I've been basically the only white guy speaking at any of these Chinese conferences. I usually do a couple a week when I'm in China. I've been inside all of the top Amazon sellers at this point. And they are run completely differently. So when I look at most um, Western sellers, it's mostly like very, very small team, you know, one or two people, a couple of VAs, and maybe managing a couple of products. Everything in China is just done at scale. So you do have like some like smaller outfits, but a lot of them are going to have at least like 50 to 100 to 1,000 people working and they're going to look much more like a real business. You know, they're going to have like an accounting department. They're going to have an HR department. They're very formalized, real businesses because the mindset with a lot of the Western sellers I see where they're like, I want to have a lifestyle business. I want to make some money. Um, I want to be location independent. I want to do this stuff. In China, they don't care about any of these things. They say, I will work until I die. I just want to die in a Lambo. They will work from when they wake up to when they fall asleep. Their employees are going to work from like 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. six days a week, 996. And honestly, they, they are just trying harder. But when you are in a city like Shenzhen, what happens is just it's this huge nexus for e-commerce. And so... Any sort of software provider, you can call them up and they will be at your office in 30 minutes. You know, you can go to conferences and just meet with thousands and thousands of other sellers. And there are so many courses and so much knowledge going on and a lot more consulting. You know, imagine you're trying to pick your logistics company and you can literally talk with all of them in person in one day and like make your decision everything is really fast. You're able to make these decisions and meet people and you're able to hire a very talented base of people because everyone in that area is doing e-commerce. But as far as ways that they're actually running things, I mean, think about like ValueLink. When you have a thousand or so employees and let's say each one of them finds something new about Amazon every week and they're sharing that, that's a thousand new things that they're improving every week on all of their businesses. Mm. You know, it's absolutely blistering fast pace of improvement. You're, you're totally right. And it's been my experience as well. I know that, that we were chatting about when the whole COVID stuff was starting and with, you know, some of your softwares that serve the Chinese market. And you were saying that a lot of use of your, of your software was down because the offices were closed. Whereas like in America, a lot certainly of, you know, businesses, you know, e-commerce, Amazon businesses, like 
they're small teams. They, a lot of them work from home to begin with, Mm -hmm. but you know, but in China, it's like, it's not like that. They're big offices. And when the offices were closed, like these businesses, they weren't, it was harder, harder for them to adapt. They're not set up to work remote. They don't do remote work like Uh, at all. China likes to see like your butt in a seat. (laughs) You know, I understand kind of like how the business is organized, but like the real question is, you know, is there truth to the rumors about the Chinese sellers being more shady tactics or not caring about some of the different terms of service? And and yeah, you know. Yeah, so cool. So let's talk about what Black Hat on Amazon really is. So you have a couple different things about Black Hat. When you have kind of against terms of service Black Hat, that still might be Black Hat on Amazon can be providing great customer service and like taking care of your customer, but it's still against terms of service. Um, You know, things like maybe um, sending postcards to your customer or mailing them a free gift or like doing all this kind of stuff, or even if they just have a bad review and trying to make things right. That kind of stuff is something every other business in the world does, but it's something that's black hat on Amazon. Then you have other kinds of black hat. You have ones that kind of get up right on the edge of terms of service and things that are actually illegal. So for example, like intellectual property violations or absolutely just defrauding Amazon. Most Amazon sellers in China want to do the right thing. They want to have a good brand. You know, if you go to the conferences, they're not saying like, here's how to be scammy on Amazon. They're saying, here's how to build a real brand. So not a lot of people have the interest in that. But the people that are very black hat, like a lot of the hijackers and stuff like that, it's not as many of them as you would think. My entire time in Chinese Amazon, I've met like three or four of the big hijacking companies and they're doing it 90% automated with bots, you know? So they're able to do a lot of of basically hijacking at scale, but it's not like widespread through Chinese operation. A lot of Chinese operation is honestly trying to be, you know, they're operated a lot like a normal Western seller, just at a much bigger scale. You know, they're still making great product photography, making great product descriptions, and they're able to visit the factories. So they're doing a lot of good things. Not a lot of people want to do the bad things. I've been in a lot of Chinese companies where even other Chinese companies are are messing with their products. And there's like, well, we could mess with them, but that's not what we're about as a company. And we're not going to do that. So I've seen a lot of kind of both ways there. So I don't think the black hat is as widespread as people will say. There's a difference between a Chinese seller that's going to look like very Chinese and is not at a very high level of sophistication. But the best Chinese brands, you won't even know they're Chinese. Like if you look up Natrogix, that's Chinese. Take a look at it. You won't think that's a Chinese brand. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of interest in, you know, black hat tactics. What kind of stuff you know, have you seen people doing? Well, I've seen people do this um, to the companies I'm working with. So some things people will do, and this one's pretty like insidious because people don't check for this, is to change the, the, like send in one package, like hijack the listing, send in one package at like a very larger dimension. And then they keep getting charged for the wrong dimensions. People will hijack the seller name 
and then try and get Amazon to like switch it over. People will take all kinds of trademarks and stuff that are just already existing online and they'll pretend it's their trademark just to get brand registry faster. Obviously, intellectual properties where is a huge battleground for a lot of this stuff. And so they will send a ton, a ton of false IP claims. There's a lot of ways to just kind of get people shut down. You know, some of the less credible kind of shady third-party agencies where Amazon will do stuff like buy out your stock every day and then cancel the orders like every every day. I mean, you know Amazon and I know Amazon and there are at least like 50 to 100 ways to like shut anyone's business down tomorrow. If you've been selling on Amazon, it's very obvious things that you can do, whether it's leaving bad reviews that are saying like fire, safety complaint, like stuff like this. Yeah, well, well, that's one of the things that I mean, it's unfortunate how like, you know, you throw in certain keywords in a negative review or in a message to Amazon. And like, I've seen it happens far too often that like, all of a sudden your product gets tagged for hazmat. And it's like, you know, that just doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Amazon tactics are the ones where they just throw Amazon. Yeah. So kind of moving on to one thing I think that's really interesting about your experience. And I know this is stuff that you speak about as well, is that, uh, you know, coming from the affiliate marketing background, affiliate marketers, the most savvy marketers, you know, in the industry, you know, performance-based marketing, like they only get paid on results. And what are some of the tactics or strategies or mindsets, you know, coming from the affiliate marketing world that you've been able to successfully apply to selling on Amazon? Wow. I could do like an entire course about this. Things that I really like, like, for example, I've always been a fan of of this particular kind of model, but I didn't have a name for it until I heard Liz Herrera, who is doing a lot of the same stuff at e-commerce marketing live in Barcelona. She came up and she said, I'm going to teach you the down to fuck strategy which is the best like naming I've ever heard for this. And so basically, you're selling a product on Amazon. That means you know a lot about what the person actually cares about because they're spending money. Instead of just selling your own product, you can actually be an affiliate and use your product as kind of a entry channel into selling other stuff that they're going to like. Like, for example, if someone buys an Amazon course from you, Nate, they're also probably interested in other Amazon courses. You know, if people buy a kitchen thing from you, maybe you can sell some other kitchen thing. If someone is buying essential oils, maybe you can sell another brand's diffuser. You don't need to sell stuff that's only yours. You can be an affiliate and sell related products to you to increase your lifetime value from other customers. By putting this on one brand last year, we were able to add an extra six figures of revenue and do it without increasing their customer service, without increasing the amount of inventory they need to buy, without basically doing anything except making a insert with like, hey, we've collected a bunch of special offers for you for, you know, this category, come check it out. And it would just be a website with different affiliate offers that they could click on that would pay us. So someone might have bought like a $10 product and then we're getting paid $60 when they sign up for one of these other things. 
this is called down down to fuck because you're basically down to promote everyone's products in the category, not just yours. You know, have a website. Don't just sell your own stuff. Be a distributor for other brands in the category, and you're going to do very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, again, I think that that's consistent with kind of the uh, affiliate approach of just you know, really, it's just being opportunistic, looking at all of the different assets or potential assets that you have access to and, you know, taking advantage of them. And if, if your goal is to, you know, have a successful business and generate revenue, you don't have to be limited to just your own products or brands. There's a whole host of other stuff that you could be selling. Exactly. I mean, one thing I like to do during Christmas, I r- like to make all those listicle articles, um, you know, where it's um, like top 10 Christmas gifts for your husband or something. And I will put like some of my brands in there and then I will put my competitor brands in there as an affiliate. But I will make my products, of course, look a little better, rank them a little higher, and then just use native traffic to promote that a lot. And those do very, very well. Um, Now we have Amazon attribution, okay, not just the Amazon affiliate links. So we can actually track a lot of different traffic sources, okay? And we can put these links now in different places. With the Amazon affiliate program, you can't do it really on Facebook ads. You can't do it on emails. There are a lot of restrictions about how to use the affiliate links. With Amazon attribution, you are now able to track anything from push traffic. You can do pop-up ads. You can do native traffic. You can do anything and really track. I was absolutely stunned that people are not talking about this as much as I think they should be. Well, um, so yeah, that's really, really interesting. And would love to dive into that a little bit more about, can you kind of yeah expand on some different traffic sources that people like aren't considering? I mean, so I think the top traffic source everyone I talk to seems to really ignore, which is bizarre to me, is really Google. Everyone is talking about Facebook ads and all of the kind of Amazon summits and Amazon conferences, but I very rarely hear people talking about Google at the same conferences, which is crazy because it is the one with that most closely matches the Amazon PPC skill set. So it's not as much of a jump for most sellers. Facebook is really a beast of a traffic source and you are really fighting with them for the same customer with people that can afford to spend a lot more money to get that same customer. With Google, you're mostly competing against people that are selling a similar item to you. So you can outcompete them. But like if you are trying to compete on selling a, a garlic press on Facebook and someone else is selling a house on Facebook, the person selling a house can afford to spend a lot more money to get that customer than you. And, and so, you know, with Google, you know, I understand the similarities between AdWords and the, the Amazon PPC. Would you recommend sellers just set up some similar keyword targeting campaigns and just run more traffic to their listings that way? Sure. So it depends exactly what they want to do. If they want to send it to Amazon, they're going to need to do the normal AdWords search campaigns. But I mean, I recommend putting a landing page in front of that or sending it to your own website first. The absolute thing I think everyone should be doing is Google Shopping. And I'm currently getting insanely cheap traffic, okay? I'm getting clicks for three cents. I'm getting clicks for five cents. I'm getting clicks for 10 cents. On same things that on Amazon are like $4 a click. You know, I sold a $1,000 fridge for $2 like of ad spend yesterday. And Google Shopping is now announcing a lot of free 
traffic, so some free listings. Mm -hmm. So you have nothing to lose by uploading your entire catalog to Merchant Center and just kind of waiting. And now Shopify and Pinterest are developing a kind of partnership that looks very interesting. Facebook shops are now going to be able to use Shopify and other web stores as well. So if you don't have your own website, and I know a lot of people do, you should be focusing on it a little bit more right now because there are some great programs coming out that are going to make it a lot easier and people are trying to kind of compete with Amazon and you're, you are going to be the winner because of that. So yeah, uh, another thing that uh, you know, we, were, we were chatting a little bit about before we started recording that I think is just good value is, yeah, you, you're talking about the, the three levers principle. Yeah, so when I walk into a lot of Chinese e-commerce companies, I notice the same mistakes almost every time and they're leaving a lot of money on the table. So I look at them through these kind of three e-commerce levers, um, a little bit inspired by Bruce Anaki. So you are either, number one, trying to increase the total number of customers, number two, increasing your average order value, or number three, customer retention and kind of frequency that they're buying. So what I see every Amazon seller when I walk in, even ones that are doing eight and nine figures, they're only trying to focus on this customer acquisition, but once they have a customer, they're not really doing anything with it. So they're always just focused on more and more and more customers and they're not focused, how can we get you know that same customer to buy from us two, three, four, five times? I have several customers that have bought from me more than a thousand times on one of my websites. Like almost every day for the past, like over the past year, they've placed order after order after order, like 30 orders a day. It's crazy. This is like a very big Chinese company and they use my, my stuff for everything. But I have plenty of customers that have placed more than 300, 400 orders. That's huge. You know, that makes it so I can take my vacation and not worry about my business. Also average order value, you know, it's things like adding subscriptions. If you can do subscriptions, either with Amazon subscribe and save or your own thing, you need to be doing it because it's going to give you so much peace of mind when you walk in the office day one of the month and you know your bills are already paid. Mm. Um, you know your employees are already paid. It's amazing. Yeah. So when you come in, you know, what are some kind of quick wins or, or things that you kind of look for, you know, that listeners could look at and, and apply to their business? So for me, a lot of the quick wins are around either reviews or advertising, because those are things that I'm, I'm pretty good at. Um, when it comes to advertising, the quickest and easiest win that for some reason, I still talk to sellers that are not doing this. A lot of sellers now are doing this. But if you're not doing this, it's going to be ridiculous. Okay, step one, create an auto campaign on Amazon. Step two, Toss in every product you have. And with a lot of these Chinese companies, it's like a thousand, two thousand. Step three, set a super low bid of like 10 cents or something and just wait. I've done that. And then I came back like a week later for one of these companies and they spent 500 to make $15,000. And it's just something that keeps working and has an ACOS between like one to 5% and allows them a little bit more margin. So that's just like one fun little quick win I like to set up, but I like to basically analyze where are they spending their time. That's like what I spend a lot of the first maybe week doing. I go into these companies about once a week and I have them record all of the time they're spending. And then I find ways that I can free up, you know, almost half the time because in Chinese companies, you know, like they like to just have their butt in the seat, not necessarily do productive things. So if I see them 
like spending literally half their week on on PPC related tasks, I teach them how to use bulk files. Like you should be doing everything you do in a scalable kind of way. When you are working on your advertising, you should not be using the Amazon kind of GUI because you're going to have to click around like eight times for every change you want to make. But if you're using the bulk file, you can be in and out in 20 minutes, even on a big account. And that's going to save you hours and hours and hours that you can do other things with. So it's teaching people how to use those bulk files. It's teaching them that you are the boss of what you want to bid, you know, value-based bidding. Also teaching them kind of the daily process to increase their conversion rate. For example, there are two, two spots where reviews are really key on an Amazon listing. So every review on the first page is important because when people are looking at your product, they're actively looking for things not to buy. Like they're looking for reasons to disqualify you and look at another product. The top critical review is huge because if, if that's actually bad and people read that, like they're gone. So what I like to do is I actually like to give each of these products like their own one-star review, but I make that one-star review like funny or like just boring or something that doesn't have a reason to not buy the product. So when people are looking for a reason to not buy it, they don't see it and they buy it. Another thing is just making sure that there are no one-star reviews or three-star reviews on the first page. I want to make it look as good as possible. And other than that, it's also just making your listing really sell and teaching them how to make listings that sell instead of just like that are more like customer service and informing them about the list, the product. I want to teach them how to fucking sell the product. And so there's a lot of hacks that we do with their images and their copy and other forms of positioning that we could see have like a very, very big difference. The kind of hacky stuff that can be some quick wins, it changes, you know, every three months. Like one thing that was really huge was putting on um, external promotions checkout a couple of years ago, putting change the order from one to a two and save X x percent change it from two to three save x percent and that generated a ton of cash and then amazon said hey we're gonna stop this promotion type okay amazon is changing things constantly every month things that used to work will stop working like for me a lot of my biggest hacks were based on taking the customer data name and address um, that were available in the order reports and using Facebook ads to, for example, retarget all these people for reviews, retarget them for subscriptions, retarget them for all kinds of things because they're the warm audience. Now Amazon has said, fuck you, we're not going to give you any of that information, right? So now that they've removed a lot of that data, Amazon's a lot less fun to play around with. Yeah, well, uh, I think it's true that some accounts still have might yeah, be able they to have some data and some <laughs> marketplaces have some but it's not like a consistent thing you can yeah. count on for every seller it's good when i can walk into sellers that have old reports and they have that stuff but the data is old you know you want to get people like within one week basically this this purchase and if you're targeting people from six months ago it has a really different effect when you look at kind of this traffic temperature, you know, I notice a lot of new advertisers trying to persuade people basically on the first ad, they're saying like, let's get married, you know, buy my stuff on the first ad, you need to kind of, you know, put a little more romance into your advertising, take them out on a date a couple times first, like tell them about your brand, tell them why they should buy, you need to like, get them really hot and ready to buy. But what people don't realize, and this is a huge thing is that it works in reverse. 
after they bought from you doesn't mean that they're always like an engaged existing audience. You know, maybe six months later, they don't even remember buying your product. Mm. Um, so that recency and that follow-up is really, really key. Um, you can't wait like six months to email your list or something. You know, you need to like get these people and keep them engaged and keep them as a warm audience. And you need to be aware that like this traffic is going to cool down rapidly over time. Yeah. You know, it's like it comes down to a lot of the details and like executing on the little things and the little opportunities. And, you know, whenever there's an opportunity to come in and improve the business, whether it's PPC or, you know, where you're spending your time or inserts or, you know, retargeting conversions, I guess it's like all the little things add up to a big impact. Yeah, that is exactly right. You know, when I go into businesses, they have all the basics there, you know, they have products, they have Amazon operations, they have like people doing these things, but it's those fine details and the level of execution that separates the really, really great sellers and huge results from, you know, just being struggling with their Amazon business. They could be doing almost the same thing, but it could literally be like, a separate image or a different way to do keyword research that is just a little bit different than what you're doing or a little bit different, you know, using bulk files instead of the UI on your advertising or, you know, how quickly you email your customers, how quickly you do this stuff. These small details makes a huge difference when you're doing it at a scale of maybe 25,000 orders a day, like some of my clients are doing. You know, every little bit to improve these processes can have a huge, huge payoff. Cool, man. Well, listen, uh, this has been, yeah, a really great chat. Really interesting to get your insight on working with the Chinese or your experience with affiliate marketing. And, and yeah, I mean, always, always fun chatting. Last question we like to ask our guests is what is, you know, if you had number one tip, for uh, FBA sellers that are looking to, you know, improve their business, uh, what would it be? So that's a really good question. And I'm going to basically take this answer from what I think is really core to the Chinese success on Amazon. And it is money loves speed. Okay. If you are doing the right things and you are doing them slowly, it's just not as good. On Amazon, you're going to make money based on how quickly you can turn over your inventory, okay? How quickly you can put things into action, okay? You need to become a do-it-now person, and you need to be able to figure out your processes and say, hey, where can I move this faster? Where can I move all of this stuff faster? Instead of launching, you know, three products a month, how can you launch 20? You know, how can you just move everything you're doing faster? A lot of times I don't see in Western countries the same emphasis on getting things done very, very fast. And I'm not saying sacrificing quality, okay? I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is you're still going to be able to find ways to do things at a bigger scale and faster. And money loves that. Think about all of your processes. How can you do it faster? That's it. Put a different sort of emphasis on on speed than you might have at the past. Well, I think that's uh, great advice. And yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of a lot of great advice. Thanks for coming on and sharing. 
And yeah, Zach, I mean, I know you've got a lot of different stuff going on. Um, if people are interested in more information about you uh, or what you're up to or ways that you can help. Uh, yeah, sure. So if you want to get in touch, um, you can email me at Zach at amzkungfu.com or Zach at amz30.com, um, Z-A-C-K. And launching two websites right now. Um, one of them, I was just a little bored in, in quarantine and came up with a way to help some Amazon sellers. So this is a list of basically 30 free Amazon tips that really move the needle. Okay, it's separated into 10 Amazon tips, 10 external marketing tips, and 10 kind of like mindset and management kind of strategies. And so these are at amc30.com. You sign up for the email list and then twice a week you get a new thing for you to work on. Okay, so this is still at the beginning stage. I don't know exactly where I want to go with it, but it's been fun and you're going to learn a lot if you go to this. Okay, then the next one is funnelfoo.com. And basically one of the easiest um, kind of leverage that I've been able to have when I come into a lot of these companies and is having a lot of my own private development stuff built. Um, maybe I see something I like from a big seller, I'll rebuild it in a really nice way and launch it for a bunch of Chinese Amazon sellers. So one thing I'm making more of these available, you can go to funnelfoo.com and we will be able to basically, you'll be able to fill out a form and have a fully functioning website um, within about 30 seconds. Okay, so for example, we've taken two funnels from eight-figure sellers that we really like, built them up in a new way, and now with FunnelFoo, you can launch them in a couple minutes for your own business. Very cool, and lots of tools and resources, you know, all uh, built and honed from, you know, your own, uh, your own experience in the game, which is uh, quite extensive. And so, Zach, man, this was, uh, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on and uh, hope that we can uh, sometime in the not so distant future can both be speaking at an event in person uh, again. I definitely hope so. Um, it's been a lot of fun. And once uh, things are a little more relaxed here in Thailand, I'll bump up to Chiang Mai. Sounds good. Zach, yeah, thanks again, man. Uh, appreciate it. This has been the Ecom Exits podcast with Nate Ginsberg. If you're enjoying the Ecom Exits podcast, show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. This will help other smart entrepreneurs find us. We appreciate your support. We have a new episode every week on the Ecom Exits podcast. So catch you next time.